or contrite is broken. Somebody who is grieved by their sin. And Psalm 6 is the first of the penitential psalms. Penitential simply means expressing a heartfelt grief for sin or offenses to God. And as, you, as we read Psalm 6, um, you might have to choke back your tears. You might need a tissue uh, because, boy, it's very grief-filled with the very first few verses and uh, all the way down, really, the majority of it is, is looking at grief. And uh, so we're going to look at the marks of a contrite or a broken spirit this evening. And the Bible says here in Psalm chapter number 6, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. Thank you again, Father, for the health, the strength in order to be here tonight. And God, I do know that there are many that are not feeling well and sick and not able to be here. And so, God, I pray that you would touch them and bless them and encourage them and strengthen them. But, God, I do thank you for those who are able to be here tonight. And, God, we are thankful for the strength and the health that we have and for the opportunity uh, to be in your house. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts and encourage us as only you can. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we look at this psalm tonight, it is a psalm uh, of penance. Really, a psalm that uh, he, he, is, he is not... Um, complaining, if I could say it that way, or maybe uh, a better word would say talking to the Lord about his enemies, uh, as he was in many of the other psalms. Many of the other psalms, he's saying, hey, I'm surrounded by my enemies, and he's asking for help, and he's asking for strength and, and grace. But in this psalm, uh, he is grieving over his own sin. And it's not so much that enemies have surrounded him and enemies have attacked him, but rather from within. And uh, listen, uh, it's often said that there's two ways that a, a church can be destroyed. It can be destroyed from without, and those are uh, those who would attack and, and try and destroy or tear down a church. And then a church as well can be destroyed from within. And that would be uh, from, from a... a People who are uh, not walking with the Lord on the inside. Listen, our life is the same in reality. Your life can be attacked by those who are outside 
and those who would seek to destroy you and slander you and gossip against you. And your life can be destroyed by yourself from within. And, uh, and so we find this psalm, he's looking at it, and he's saying, hey, I've got problems from within. These aren't problems from without. These are problems from within my own life, and I'm concerned about them. And uh, many people in David's day, and this is a psalm of David, uh, just like in our day, do not acknowledge their sin in their life. They live their life pretending that everything is okay. Uh, they act like everything between them and God is fine, and they act like everything between them and other people is fine, and in reality it's not. But because of their pride, they will not acknowledge that issue. And, and so there is a problem that they will never hit, they will not hit a point that they're contrite, that they're broken in their spirit about their own sin. We find in this psalm that David was contrite. He was not prideful. Uh, pride and arrogance are funny things, and the Bible talks about them much in the book of Proverbs, and pride causes uh, contention. That's one of the things we talked about. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 too, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Uh, that's not the verse. Well, you'll have to find it. There's your homework. Um, uh, I know it's in the book of Proverbs. It says by, uh, by pride cometh contention. It's probably in chapter 11. It's probably chapter, verse number 12. Uh, but, uh, uh, but nonetheless, I know for a fact it's in the book of Proverbs uh, that, that pride causes contention. But not just that, pride also, uh, because of stubbornness, will cause people to fall. In other words, they will not admit that they are wrong. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's Proverbs 16, 18. And, uh, and pride will cause somebody to be brought low. And I, I don't know if this psalm is written out of, hey, there was pride and there was uh, not admitting that, and so God brought them low to a point where they realized that. David specifically realized that in his life. I don't know that that's the case here, but I do know that it is the case many times in people's lives. And so we need to be careful of that. And, uh, and people don't like to, uh, to necessarily admit that, but that's something that, that has to be realized and mentioned. So as we look at this psalm, I want you to notice just a few marks of a contrite spirit. And again, I have more than uh, three things to, to mention tonight, so we'll look at these. But the Bible says here in verse number one, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. And I want you to notice the first mark of a contrite spirit is, is that of, of humbleness. Um, now, you look at that and you say, well, what is that? Uh, he recognizes and realizes right off the bat that, hey, because of sin, it's necessary to be rebuked. It's necessary to be chastened. And so his request is not, he, he didn't say this, don't rebuke me and don't chasten me, but rather he qualifies the rebuke and the chastening of God to not be so severe that he cannot withstand it. And so read it again. He says there in verse number one, rebuke me not in thine anger. In other words, he recognizes my life needs rebuke. Now what is rebuke? Rebuke is direct and pointed reproof and reprimand. 
And, and that's just simply pointing out something that is wrong in somebody's life. If you're a parent and you've raised kids, you've done that. I promise you. You do it. You probably do it and you don't even realize it. I mean, uh, you ever watch a, a mom and her kids and, and, uh, and sometimes she's like, tie your shoe. That's reprimand. Their shoe is untied. They need to tie their shoe. Uh, tuck your shirt in. Put, you know, fix this. Do that. Fix this. And, and it just kind of comes inherently uh, after you've raised kids. Uh, it, it's almost second nature. And, and I think sometimes moms do it without even thinking, you know, hey, you need to fix this or fix that because they're just good at that kind of stuff. And the Bible says this, a wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Somebody who says, hey, I don't want to be corrected. I'm not going to tie my shoe. My mom told me I'm not going to tie it. I'm going to be stubborn. And, and listen, a mark of a contrite spirit is somebody, oh yeah, my shoe's untied. I need to, I need to tie that. Somebody who's submissive, somebody that's humble and saying, well, I realize that that is an error in my life. That is something that is wrong. Sometimes rebuke comes in a very personal uh, form of, of just outright, hey, this is not right and this needs to be fixed. But many times uh, rebuke comes from preaching. Um, the Bible tells us that, that in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, uh, Paul is, command, is, is giving Timothy instruction, and he says this, he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And, uh, and I love the qualifications there. We don't have time to go into it all, but he does say it with all long suffering. In other words, patiently. Hey, rebuke and rebuke and rebuke and continue. Uh, and not just rebuke, there's three other things there. There's, uh, there's uh, reprove and there's exhort as well. Uh, but, but he says, do it in long suffering. And the psalmist, David, is crying out and he's saying, hey, rebuke me not in thine anger. In other words, do it in love. Uh, because the psalmist knows, hey, he wouldn't be able to stand under the sharp, two-edged sword of God that is wholly released on sin. And that's true. Um, and so he does say, hey, rebuke me not in thine anger. Then he goes on and he says, chastening, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Chasten means to correct by punishment. Again, uh, most parents would understand what chastening is. And, and listen, God chastens His children. And the Bible is very clear about that. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 6, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. By the way, if the Lord doesn't chasten you, and if the Lord doesn't punish you, then you better check up on your salvation. Because that is a good proof of your salvation. If you can live your life in sin and not have any, re any regret, any remorse, or any consequences, then maybe you're not saved. And I'm serious. That's something that's important that you need to get settled and you need to get straightened out because the Bible says in Hebrews 12.6, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. And so he does chasten his children. And, and the psalmist here is not saying, don't chasten me, but rather he says, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. In other words, hey God, I would not be able to withstand your full-out punishment 
And so don't chasten me in thine hot displeasure. In other words, when you're angry or when uh, out of a, um, maybe that's not a good word to use, uh, but out of a, a very strong emotional appeal per se. And listen, God's wrath is poured out in judgment. It has been poured out a few times. We, we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah this past week on Sunday. Listen, God's wrath was poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah. God's wrath has been poured out time and time again throughout history on wickedness in which God has judged. And listen, it will be again in the end times. I mean, uh, we're going through the book of Revelation. We haven't hit it yet. But boy, you talk about wrath. You talk about God's, uh, God's judgment being completely poured out. That nobody would be able to withstand that. And the psalmist recognizes that. And so he says, hey, don't punish me. Don't chastise me in thy hot displeasure. And so we've, we notice he's not saying don't rebuke me and don't chasten me, but rather, uh, hey, make sure it's something that I can withstand. And, uh, and, and so we see his hum humbleness, uh, his humility and humbling himself underneath and submitting himself to God's rebuke and God's chastisement. And so we see that he's willing to receive that. Somebody that is a scorner would not receive that. So he's con a contrite spirit is humble. I want you to notice in verse number two, he says, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me for my bones are Vexed. The second thing is a contrite spirit recognizes humanity. Recognizes his humanity. I want you to notice his weakness there. He says right in the middle of the verse, for I am weak. Listen, sometimes we need to recognize, hey, we're just human. Sometimes, man, I, I, I wish I could do more. I wish I could, um, I was talking to somebody today and and uh, I had said something, and, and he said, man, he said, I, I thought, um, he made a, a comment or something, and, and he said, I thought only missionaries do that. And I said, well, I don't know. I just, I just do whatever the Lord wants me to do. And, and, uh, and, and, and sometimes we try to do more than we could. we got to recognize our human frailty. And he recognizes that. Not only his human frailty and being careful, uh, and sometimes we need to recognize that, uh, but not just that, but listen, uh, as we think about God's rebuke and God's chastisement as well, I believe those all go hand in hand, that hey, if, if God were to unleash His full wrath upon us, we wouldn't be able to stand it. Um, that's why the world flees when the, when in the book of Revelation when the judge is on the throne, uh, because they know it's coming and they know they cannot stand before God. And then weakness as in we're prone to fall. Now, that's a double-edged sword. Don't use that as an excuse for sin. That's not right. But at the same time, we cannot demand of ourselves perfection you will not attain. I tend to... Um, here's my excuse for not being an artist, because I'm a terrible artist. Matter of fact, I abandoned any possibility of being able to draw, I, I think, in the third grade. I gave it up. I, I just, man, our class was uh, my nemesis. And, and, and really, it's because I recognized when I try to draw stuff, it doesn't look like Picasso's paintings. 
And I thought, man, I cannot do that. I, I, they don't come out, a circle doesn't come out a circle, a line doesn't even come out a straight line, and I just don't do good at that. And, and, and my own imperfections bothered me so much that I said, I'm not doing that, because I can't. It doesn't look right. It looks terrible. And, and if we're not careful, we will allow our imperfections to, to hinder us from doing anything. And the psalmist here is saying, Hey, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. And we need to understand that we do have weaknesses and are human. Uh, we are human, flesh and blood. And we have to understand and realize that. And in verse 2, a contrite spirit will recognize that. I want you to notice as well in verse number 2, the Bible says, he says at the end of that, he says, heal me for my bones are vexed. A contrite spirit that is broken and grieved over their sin is going to need healing. And he asks for that in verse number 2. As you read this, it's kind of interesting. I, I was reading through this in verse number 2, and I want you to notice what he says in verse number 2. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. We looked up that word vexed a couple uh, week ago or so. I don't remember on Sunday morning, Sunday night, when it was, but it was sometime. And, uh, and, and the definition of vexed means to agitate. It means to annoy. And so if you read this, he says, my bones are vexed. My bones are agitated. They're annoyed. They are bothered. Now, if you have arthritis, you're saying, man, amen, I'm with him. Okay? Uh, because that, that's kind of the idea. In other words, hey, I can feel it in my bones. And I read that and I think this, that this is very true, that sin will destroy you physically. Some people don't realize that. Um, it amazes me, but, but you take people that have lived a very sinful life at, at the same age and you place them against somebody who has not lived a very sinful life and, and they're the same age and one looks drastically older than the other. Because sin breaks down your body. And it doesn't matter what it is. Drugs, alcohol, lying, cheating, stealing, perversity, it all wears your body out. And will destroy you. And, and he's recognizing this, that he needs not just spiritual healing, he does address that, but he needs also physical healing because sin is hard on your body. And it will wear you out. And he says, for my bones are vexed. Look at verse number 3, talking about the healing. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? He asks the question. We find that he needs spiritual healing as well because his soul is vexed. Hey, listen, spiritually, not being right with God, you recognize that. You say, man, there's, we sing that song, nothing between my soul and my Savior. Boy, what a great song. But when there's something there, when there's something between your soul and the Savior, your soul is vexed. 
And you can feel that, and you can recognize it. And the psalmist here, he's recognizing, hey, not only do I need physical healing because my sin has taken its toll on my body, but, but also spiritually, it has drived a wedge between God and I. And we find that in Psalm 51, one of the, uh, again, another psalm of penance that David penned. And in Psalm 51, in verse number 12, he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. In Peru, we used to, uh, we'd sing that as our invitational song over many, many times. And uh, I, I can't remember the tune of it and, and stuff, but I, I read that and I just automatically I think of invitation time in Peru and, and just crying out to God and saying, hey, I need the joy of my salvation restored. And the psalmist here is recognizing that. He's saying, hey, a, a joyful Christian is not saying my soul is vexed. That's a broken Christian. That's somebody with a contrite spirit. That's somebody that recognizes the sin in their life and saying, God, I need a spiritual healing. I need a spiritual restoration in my life. I need to be the touch of you in my life. And we find the healing. And I just point this out that um, not necessarily the spiritual side, but on the physical side, sometimes healing is a slow process. Sometimes it takes time. And it's not instantaneous. Hey, but we need to be faithful to the Lord. A contrite spirit needs and recognizes the fact that it needs healing. I want you to notice in verses 4 and 5, a contrite spirit recognizes the hush. That would be the silence. Look at what he says in verse 3. He ends with, O Lord, how long? Then he says in verse 4, Return, O Lord, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. You ever prayed and thought, there is no answer from heaven? Maybe, maybe you've read your Bible and, and, and you think, man, there is man, there's nothing. I'm reading my Bible and, and, and boy, it's just, I'm listening and it's quiet. Man, I, I come to church and, and I'm sitting in church and I'm listening and it's just quiet. And you're saying, man, why, why isn't the Lord speaking to me? And, and why, isn't, why is it all quiet in, in heaven? And why is there no answer to my prayer? And why is there no answer when I read my Bible? And why is there no answer when I listen to the preaching of the Word of God? And, and why is there such a quietness? And, and listen, a contrite spirit recognizes that, hey, God has cut it off and said, hey, you've got some things you need to deal with in your life. That's why it's quiet. That's why I'm not answering your prayer. That's why uh, you read your Bible, but you don't get anywhere. That's why you're sitting in church. Hey, it's coming to terms with God and realizing, hey, there is something that is between my soul and the Savior. There's something that is silencing heaven and not allowing Him to speak as freely as He would desire to me in my life. And a contrite spirit is going to recognize that silence and that fellowship that is broken. And it's going to recognize that lonely feeling between you and God. The psalmist here recognizes it. 
And he says, return. He's begging, hey, God, return. I want to hear from heaven. I want to hear from you. I want my joy restored. I want my soul healed. I want my bones healed. I want my relationship to be healed with you and all to be good. And he's crying out. Verse number 4, return, O Lord. Deliver my soul. And just note this. Oh, save me for thy mercy's sake. He's not coming to God and saying, look how good I am and look at me and how wonderful I am. But he's coming to God and he's pleading for mercy. God, I'm not, I'm not uh, good enough to enter into your presence. But because of your mercies, I'm asking you, speak with me. And he's asking for that hush to be removed. He's asking for the Lord to return communion with him. Look in verse number 5. This is an interesting one. It says, For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the, in the grave, who shall give thee thanks? I read that a few times and, and uh, I struggled with that. I thought, boy, that's a different verse. But the idea and the thought behind it is this, that when you die... There's a hush from your side. In other words, you go to the cemetery, it's a pretty quiet place, to be honest with you. There's not a whole lot of noise that's going on generally in a cemetery. I mean, it's pretty quiet. And, and why is that? Because those graves aren't crying out to praise God. Hey, their bodies have been placed in the grave and they've been covered with dirt, and, and for all practical purposes, their physical praise here on this earth is over. And it is no more. And they are silenced. There's a hush. And he's saying, listen, if I die in this condition, if I continue with the hush from heaven, not hearing from God, and I live my life, and, and I die in this condition, boy, I won't be able to praise God anymore. And I'll be in the grave, and my voice will be silenced. And for all practical purposes on this earth, there will not be any more praise in heaven and, uh, and on the earth. And so he's recognizing that. A contrite spirit uh, recognizes the hush and the silence. I want you to notice in verse number 6 and 7, a contrite spirit is hurt by sin. Look with me in verse number 6. He says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. He wants it gone out of his life. He recognizes his sin is hurting and, and, and injuring him personally, and he's crying about it. The Bible says there that he's weary with groaning. It waxeth old in verse number 7. He's truly fed up with sin. He does not want to continue in this cycle of, God forgive me, fall in sin. God forgive me, fall in sin. God forgive me, fall in sin. He, he wants it gone and eradicated from his life because he recognizes it's hurting him. And he doesn't want that any longer. And so he's crying out to God. He is hurt 
by sin. A contrite spirit truly recognizes that sin is a detriment to their own life and it's a, something that will ultimately destroy them. And in verses 6 and 7, he is weeping over that sin, not just wanting it gone, not just saying, man, I, I wish it would be gone out of my life, but he is physically weeping over it. Hey, listen, some people truly enjoy their sin. Some people, they just want it gone. They're weary of their sin. They're tired of their flesh. They're tired of the wickedness that exists. And they just want to have a clean relationship. The psalmist here, a contrite spirit, recognizes that sin is hurting them personally. We, sometimes we have got to get upset by sin. Now, I'm not talking about sin in other people's lives. I'm talking about sin in our own lives. We need to be upset by it. We need to recognize that it hurts us and we ought to be hurt by that sin so much that we would weep over it. We'd be weary of it just like uh, the psalmist is here and he's fed up with it and he says, I don't want it anymore and he spends time crying about it uh, on his bed and on his couch and at night and, and he doesn't want it in his life anymore. That leads us right into number eight and it says there, depart from me all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. A contrite spirit hates sin in his own life. He says, man, I don't want it. And I, I don't want it in my own life. I've got to purge it out of my own life. I've got to get uh, past this sin in my life. But not only in his own life, he's saying, hey, in verse number 8, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. In other words, hey, I don't want the influences that are driving me to the bad involved in my life. I want them gone out of my presence because they're the ones that, that are influencing me and it's causing me to fall in my life. And so a contrite spirit is going to hate sin, whether it's in his own life or whether it's the influences that are around him. And he's going to say, hey, I've got to cut them off and I've got to clean out my life. Because he recognizes the hurt of sin. He recognizes uh, the problems of sin. And it causes him all this grievousness and, and sadness and, and destruction in his own life. So verse 8, he's saying, hey, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. We get down to verses 8 and 9. And it's not, here, it's not until here that, boy, the psalm really turns. I mean, all, all the psalm all the way up to this point has been recognizing the damage and the problem of sin in his own life. But boy, when you hit verse 8, it turns a sweet corner. Look at what it says there in verse 8. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. The Bible says, For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. A contrite spirit is heard by God. It's heard by God. When we recognize our sin, when we recognize that it hurts us, when we humble ourselves and we recognize our, our weakness of our humanity and we cry out and recognize the healing and the hush, the silence from heaven and the hurt in our lives and the hate that we have uh, towards that sin and say, man, I don't want it anymore in my life. Hey, then we cry out to God in verse number 8 and he says, for the Lord hath heard the voice 
of my weeping. He is so ecstatic about it that he mentions it again in verse number 9. It's not just something uh, that, that occurred to him. It's something, boy, that was real to him. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. A contrite spirit is heard by God. Hey, when we're break, broken by our sin, when we recognize the sin in our own lives, we hate it and we weep over it and we humble ourselves to God and, and we ask for His mercy and we say, God, I don't want the silence anymore. I, I want a communication with you. And, and we cry out to God. Praise the Lord that a contrite spirit is heard of God. And He hears our prayer. And He hears our cry. What a great thing that God will listen to us if we'll call out to Him. You have to call Him and say, God, I, I want my life right. And He'll listen. I love the fact that God listens. You know, I thought of the verse in Luke chapter number 18. There's a, a parable that gives a, I don't know if it's a parable or a story. It's, it's one of the two. But, uh, but it gives the account of the, the, the Pharisee coming to God. And he says, God, look at me. Boy, I'm dressed in my best suit today. Got my tie straight. I've ironed my shirt. Man, I'm all, I polished my boots. I give tithe of everything that comes in. God, hear my prayer because I'll look at how good I am. And God said, you're sick. That's not exactly what he said. That's a Shane Rice paraphrase. But he just about did. And then the Bible turns around and gives another illustration. And there's a publican. Who knows he's a sinner? And it, so the Bible says this in Luke 18, 13, and the publican standing afar off would not so much as lift his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God answers his prayer. Why is that? Contrite spirit. Somebody who says, the Bible says he would not even so much as lift up his eyes to heaven. I could just kind of picture him. He's looking down. Maybe his, maybe his clothes are ragged. Maybe he's wearing work clothes. And, and, and maybe, uh, maybe he's been, uh, I don't know, cleaning the hog pen or, or, or some form of work. And he comes to God and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he cries out and says, God, I'm not worthy, but I want your mercy. I'm glad that God takes a contrite heart. Hey, and he hears that prayer. And he listens to that heart. And the psalmist here, he says, man, all this sin in my life, boy, it destroys me. It tears me up. It causes me sadness and, and groaning and crying and sleepless nights. And, and I don't want it in my life. He says, God, I want my prayer to be heard. I want healing to my soul. I want healing to my body. And he cries out to God. And God hears his prayer and says, hey, I'll hear you. Verse number 10, he ends it out. And he says this, let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. You know, it's kind of funny. I've heard this a time or two. And when, when people 
get saved. I've heard this in testimonies. They said, I, I found out my friends, they didn't really want to come around me anymore. It's not that they had to tell their friends, hey, uh, you know, I can't be friends with you. It's just all, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're not laughing at the same things they used to laugh at. They're not going to the same places they used to go to. And, and, and their friends would invite them out. Hey, let's go to the bar. And uh, I'm not going to the bar, but I tell you what, why don't you come to church with me? And all of a sudden his friends like, they're gone. They didn't want to be around him. The psalmist here says, let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them be agitated. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. In other words, they might come around him and they might realize, whoa, he got, he got his life right. We don't want, man, he's, he's, not, he's not the same as the way he used to be. He doesn't laugh at the same things. He doesn't live the same way and his life is different. I don't want to be around that. And let him be ashamed. Let him flee. Let him go. Because they don't want to be around somebody that has a good relationship with the Lord. Hey, the prayer of the contrite is heard of God. And you know what? Sinners just have a tendency of going away from that. They don't want to be around that. If you continue living for God and if you continue doing right, people just kind of, uh, you don't even, I mean, you pray for them, you love them, and you say, man, I, I want to witness to them. But you know what? They really, they kind of cut themselves off. and They don't want to spend a whole lot of time with you because you're just not the same. You're now a godly person walking with the Lord. And they find new friends and new avenues. And they'll still talk to you on occasion when you run into them at Walmart or whatever. But boy, they don't want to hang out because your prayer has been heard. God has, has healed you and dealt with your life and your sin in your life. Praise the Lord for the psalm, Psalm 6, a penit, uh, penitent psalm. I kind of almost don't like that word penitent, but in reality, we ought to be grieving over our sin in our life. We ought to be careful uh, that we are not comfortable with sin as Christians and that it does grieve us like the psalmist uh, tells us here in Psalm chapter 6. So I hope and pray that that's a help and a blessing to you as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed of a short hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for just how clear you are, God. And God, the remorse and the brokenheartedness of this psalmist over his sin. God, what a, what a great example for us. God, that we would be that brokenhearted over our own sin, over our own life. God, not that we have to show everyone, but God, to you, may we see our life and see our sin as you see it, as the psalmist saw it in his own life. God, may it drive us closer to you, to walk closer to you, to live closer to you, God, we'll be careful to thank you for that. Help us and strengthen us. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed as the piano plays, maybe God's spoken to your heart. The altar's open. You can come and pray. and Maybe you just want to ask the Lord to help you and strengthen you.
continue to help your walk with Him be strong and sincere. Maybe there's been a hush in heaven. Maybe it's just something little in your life that you want to ask God, why 